Welcome to the Long Lack Pentecostal Assembly Sermon of the Week. As a Christ-centered family, we serve our community and share God's love. Thanks for taking the time to tune into this week's message. We hope that it blesses and encourages you. Um, the next few things we're going to be talking about next, I, I'm looking at three weeks, is the concept of giving. And I am going to talk about uh, tithing and giving and what offering looks like in a church today because it's part of a biblical principle and teaching. So today may be a lot of reading, a lot of study, a lot of teaching, but it's all for his glory, and I know that there's a practical uh, spiritual side that you will get and glean from this message. I know that for certain. But uh, we'll also be talking about giving in ministry and giving in uh, to the church as, as a people, as a body, through your skill, and that will come uh, this next few weeks as well. But today, we're going to talk about what it means to be the church, not just go to church, and I think that's a really important aspect. So the first thing I want to do is look at this verse. This is our core verse through all of what we're speaking about regarding giving, through it all, Okay. And this is 2 Corinthians 9.11, okay? 2 Corinthians 9.11 says, You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. So what does that mean? Truly, I think it's self-explanatory, but I'll help you. God has given you enough or so much that you can give and bless others. That's why we have what we have. And in doing so, these others will not turn to you and say, you're amazing. They should be glorifying God because of what has happened to them through their blessing. Does that make sense? We can go home now. I'm just kidding. That's, that's a really important part. Really important. So you've heard me say many times during offering, I didn't say it this week, but I've said many times if you're a guest or someone who is visiting with us, don't feel obligated to give. This is not us paying taxes for you to be here or uh, dues. Uh, what you're doing is you are worshiping God with your finances, and this is an ordinance for those that call this their church home or our church members. And I say that often because I want people to understand a few principles. And the first principle, simply put, is that it's not about Long Lack Pentecostal Assembly's financial security. That's not why we pass around a bowl to collect money. It's not about our financial security. This church does need your tithes and offerings to grow and function well. That's true. Money coming in grows. We don't just get... I know that the Catholic Church would have payment brought in for certain projects and things by the greater church, but this church runs autonomously. We are an assisted assembly, meaning we do have some money coming in from our Pentecostal Assemblies District to assist with us to make sure that we're running level and safe because of the fluctuation in numbers at times. But ultimately, when we make financial decisions as a church, it's because of the giving that comes in through Sunday morning services, okay? So you may think, okay, so what does this mean? If it's not about financial security, then what's with tithing? See, the thing is, is you're not paying dues like some people are in a club or secret society. 
I recently was um, in Edmonton uh, visiting my brother with Jess and whatnot, and while we were there, we thought, well, we'll see some sights, and we went to uh, Fort Edmonton, which they've turned into a live-action um, museum. So there's actors there. It's really beautiful. Go. It's so amazing. You get to ride a train, and you go to all these different sections that are set out in different times, okay? So different eras, and I forget them all off the top of my head. But uh, you go through the old fort all the way up to about 1920 is the last era that you would visit, and in, I think, the second last era, 1905, something like that, they have a a building set up, and it's a Masonic Lodge. And you can actually go in, and they have masons there to give you tours, excuse me, and stuff, and let you see what's going on. So I thought, why not? I'm curious. So I go in, and I get to walk around the Masonic Lodge, and not many people are up there. There is one guy standing there to answer all my questions. So I asked questions. What does this mean? What does that mean? Because there's some symbolism everywhere. And his answer was actually pretty well the same. I can't tell you unless you're a Mason, and I would have known if you were a Mason the second you walked in, because we would have done a secret thing. I'm like, okay, am I a Mason now? Didn't work. So the rules were I'm not allowed to know anything. He's there to answer questions, but I don't know why. Um, nonetheless, as I kept asking questions, so then I thought, okay, What's recruitment like? How do you find a new Mason? He says, okay, you need to have someone who's already a Mason um, vouch for you and bring your name up to the group. They go through everything. And then after that, they find another signer to sign your name. So there's a second Mason that wants to bring you forward. They bring that to the group. And then there's three other Masons that then do an investigation on you that lasts a few months. And I don't know what they're investigating. They investigate you after they're done investigating you. And if they are pleased, they bring your name to the front or to the group, that goes through, and then you're allowed to show up, and when you show up, you right away go through an initiation, and part of the initiation, which he didn't say, but I do know this because I've had friends that are Masons, and I won't say who they are because they may get in trouble for telling me this, um, you, you're, you're promising a lot of things upon death if you do not, if you do share them, so it's really odd, and it's, it's kind of like a role-playing scenario where they dress up and go through this stuff, but nonetheless, at the end of it all, then you are someone who pays dues, where you would pay um, a specific amount of money to the lodge, your lodge, uh, and then you can attend meetings. All of that to say, I then asked, well, how much are the dues? Because, you know, weigh it out. If I'm actually a prospective person going to be recruited, I want to know what I'm getting into. And I'm not allowed to know unless I'm a mason. And I was like, that makes no sense. So I'm like, okay, that didn't work. And then I said, well, thank you very much. And, I, and I, I left. But the thing is, I say all that to say this. This place is nothing like a Masonic Lodge. Mainly because we got squares on the floor, I guess. But there's, there's nothing else the same. And this is why there's nothing the same. We don't keep secrets. We share truth. Okay? So that's important. But also, you don't have to pay to be here. Like I said... We do everything through this church autonomously, which means your tithes and offering run the church and helps us with our ministries. When we got the bags and sent them out, we had lots of donations for that, but we set money aside as well from you guys to go and hand things out to the church. That was part of it. But again, we're not together to make the money like the lodge might be. We're together for something completely different. 
and that's why we're not paying dues, okay? So that being said, this person hasn't been here in forever. They're never here, but so I won't, I never say names. It's not appropriate, but I've had people come up to me and say, oh, you know what? Um, I didn't vote for you. I don't want you to be my pastor, so I'm not going to pay you the church. I'm, I'm going to stop tithing, and I think that's so weird because it has nothing to do with me, and it doesn't really have much to do with the church, but it has everything to do with who they are as a Christian. Are they giving? Even if they don't give here, go to another church. Give to them. Just don't hold yourself back from a blessing. Why would you do that? But people do that. So that kind of thought would go into the mind of someone who thinks they're paying dues. Okay? So that thought shouldn't be in your head because you're not paying dues. Tithes is very, very different. With me so far? Now everyone wants to be a mason and figure out what it all means. Don't do it. All right, please. Anyways, so that's, that's the first portion I want you to understand. See, Matthew 6, verse 21 says this. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Amen? Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I really like pizza. Now, here's the thing. My dog sometimes, sometimes, if I leave him alone and we leave the house, he gets anxiety, and he'll, he'll sometimes chew something or wreck something. He's wrecked a shoe here or there, whatever, and you're upset and mad. But I remember I left a box of pizza on the counter once, and he ate my pizza. Boy, was I mad. You know why? Because my heart is where my treasure is, and it was pizza. Oh, I was mad. I think I had one of uh, Marlene's brownies once, too, those peanut butter ones. She knows how mad I was. When my dog eats my good food. Anyways. That's a good example, though, because where your treasure is, there your heart is also. If you love your truck, you're going to wax it, you're going to polish it, you're going you're gonna to hear that there's a hailstorm coming. Park it in the garage, take out whatever's in there, and you know, make sure that you're, you're taking care of what you love. The thing is, where your treasure is, your heart is also, that also means for people, many, it is your finances that are your most important thing. You cherish it. Um, maybe from a young age, people have been speaking into your life and telling you things like, you gotta set money aside for RSPs and do that and never lose money and don't spend, you know, don't buy brand new vehicles or don't do this and I don't know, you know. All of these teachings you get. I remember being, I think it was my first year of college, someone did a whole big spiel about how if you just put, you know, a little bit of money away from when you're about 17 to 18 uh, a year, You'll be like a multimillionaire, but if you start at like 19 or 20, you're not gonna make it. You're gonna have maybe $200,000 in the bank or something like that. And I remember sitting there thinking, I wish I heard that like three years ago. I'm gonna be poor now. It's now written in stone. Who knows if it would have kept up with it if I was 17, but you know? And here's the thing it's always in our talks. There is so much going on in self-help books for finances. There are people making money off of telling you how to make money. It's funny, but if you really want to make money, just make up a video and put it on YouTube about how to make money. Everyone's going to click that thing. It's just, you know what I mean? This is how it works. Write a book about how to make money. You'll make a lot of money. Because that's so important to our society. We want to take care of ourselves financially. We care about it. 
It's our treasure. It's where our heart is. Okay? So evaluate yourself. If you can't give God a priority in your finances by giving something to him, can he really come first in your life? We put him first in our relationships, right? Focus on Jesus Christ. Focus on your relationship with the Holy Spirit, God Almighty, and your marriage, your children, your, all of these relationships, your friends, your family, are so much better because of it. So why then would we ignore the same principle with our finances or with our things and our stuff? God, you first. That's why we give a tithe at the beginning of the week. It's part of even, I'll say this later, but it's part of the old biblical practice. Let me read Deuteronomy 14, 23. Bring this tithe to the designated place of worship, the place the Lord your God chooses for his name to be honored. I see this to say that you should be giving and sowing into the ministry of the church that you are part of and attend. My father used to say, you don't go to Pizza Hut and then walk across the street and pay your bill at Wendy's. And I think that's true. If you are spiritually fed here, this is your home church. This is where you tithe. Deuteronomy 16, 17, each of you must bring a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. We often think of ourselves as devoted to the Lord, but we are unwilling to even obey the simplest of biblical principles. Remember, this is an expression of gratefulness for his provision in your life. It's just a really big thank you for everything you've given me. We're alive, we're surviving. Some of us are in harsher situations than others. I'm not denying that, that's the truth. Some of us are, you know, really in debt. Some of us are doing very well financially, maybe just finally, and we don't want to let go of it, so we're stacking up, right? All of those things. You have your financial plan in place, and I'm not um, against any of them, but I'm telling you that we need to remember this is an expression of gratefulness for his provision. Um, just as an aside, I currently do help to prepare budgets um, and financial statements um, in the church, but I don't see the money. I don't count the money. I don't read the envelope. I don't track anything. Uh, we have other people that do that in the church that keep confidentiality, and they will track for your tax receipt purposes. But I don't see any of that. So I don't know what you give. Like that unmentioned or untitled individual before that said, I'm not giving you my tithe because I didn't vote for you. I didn't really care, because for all I know, their tithe is a penny a month, <laughs> right? Or it's $5,000. I don't know. All I know is they're rude, and we're better off without that at this point, right? So here's the thing. I don't know what you give, and that's a good thing, because I don't, I don't care. That's not part of my ministry, but if you're in my office, I've said this before. Some pastors do look at the books and look at all that stuff. I don't. I know how much we have coming in, how much we have going out, but I don't know what you give. If I'm in the office with you or somewhere, we're sitting down, we're having a serious conversation where you're saying, Pastor, there's just something in my life. I'm going through this, I'm going through that. I might talk about your spiritual healthiness and ask about how you are relating to God. Are you speaking with him? Prayer. Are you understanding his character better? Reading the Bible. Are you working on those relationships with others in the church? Also, are you tithing? I might ask. I'm not gonna ask how much. 
But I'm going to ask if you're giving because that's still showing thankfulness for what he's given you. These are healthy things that allow you to grow and be in a better place. Cool? Cool. This is the next one. Oh, I, I read these scriptures, but they weren't behind me. Sorry. I didn't click ahead. So it's a biblical practice, and I want to mention that. There are some people that don't believe it's still hap- that it's proper for today, but this is something that helps us understand. Let's go way back to the Old Testament. The Mosaic Law, so that's, you know, Charlton, or Charlton Heston up on the mountain with rocks and lightning. So the Old Testament Mosaic Law says in Leviticus 23, 27, sorry, verse 30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. See, some deny the Old Testament teaching of tithing because they say they aren't obligated to give because they now live by grace, right? You've heard this before. It is important then to understand that the principle of tithing came long before even this was written. Abraham was doing it when he went into Egypt and to other places to show and to teach that there is a respect and a thankfulness for the people that are around. Tithing was a big part of their culture even before this. This principle is incorporated through the gospel. Malachi verse three, uh, or chapter three verse 10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and test me in this, says the Lord God Almighty. This is such an important verse. I'm not gonna fool you. In the context, there is a harvest and a famine coming, and he wants people to take 10%, a tithe of what they're gathering, putting it in the storehouse for the time to come so that they can survive through the famine to come. And here's the thing. When we read this, we've seen it interpreted over and over again through the New Testament that God is promising us that when we trust him with our first fruits, with our 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 whatever that may be, our provisions, our, our materialistic things and our finances, and we take that tithe and we give it to him, right? Offer that to him. What we're doing is we're actually testing God, not in a negative way, because he asks us to do it, but in a positive way where he promises that we will actually see fruitfulness and growth. Now, I've heard preachers say, if you're in debt, send me $1,000 and you're gonna get 2,000 back and all that other stuff. We don't do that here. But I do believe truly through the text we read in God's word that if you are in a financially dire situation or unhealthy situation, that prioritizing giving to God will actually prove fruitful for you. My own father, I always find this story weird, but I guess it works. I might have told it to you before. But he was a new Christian at the time, and he's just starting out this whole tithing thing. So when he got paid, he would set money aside, put it in an envelope, put it in the top drawer of his dresser, and he would leave it there till Sunday um, where he would give. And it just so happens that when I was growing up, there was a lot of um, financial issues in the family. My dad was a tool and die worker, and uh, there wasn't always the work around. He, he did pretty well, but the pay wasn't always great, and my mom stayed at home, and there were three boys in the family. 
So at this time, my, my family isn't doing great or very well. They needed groceries, but they didn't have enough money for groceries. But they did have enough money for groceries if they took the money out of the tithe envelope that my dad already set aside. And he really thought about this, as many of you would. I would. You'd really think about it and say, you know, God obviously doesn't want me to starve to death. Um, you know, he understands I'll just give double next month or something, right, or next week. And you can, you can think these things. But he really felt that he shouldn't take it out of the envelope, that he should just leave it there. So he went to the grocery store with the money that he did have, not from the tithe envelope, and he ended up buying just a few small things that he could get, and there was just a little raffle ticket, and you can probably guess where this story's going. Don't gamble, but whatever. Uh, my dad writes his name on this little raffle ticket for free groceries, and he ends up putting it in. It's the first and last time he's ever done such a thing. And he got a phone call, um, I guess it would have been a few days later, that said, sir, you won free groceries. Your whole entire groceries are paid for. Come, and you can get what you, whatever, what you need. And... He, and I do believe this as well, but he recognized and consents in his spirit that it's because of his obedience to God in allowing the tithe to wait and be designated for God's glory, not his own, that God still provided. And this scripture came to his mind that when you bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, his house, Test me in this and see God proves himself true again. Do you believe that this morning? Do you? I pray you do. It's an amazing promise. This is our last point. It says that Jesus reinforces this practice of giving. Our principle, principle, practice, sure, of giving. And the thing is, this is the one thing that people always want to debate and they're not comfortable with, is what about Jesus? Now, this is really neat. Yeah, okay, so you know how Jesus didn't really see eye to eye with the Pharisees, right? The religious leaders of the time. They argued a lot about things. Pharisees had their own rules and regulations, and Jesus is like, none of this makes sense. It's not God's word. There is one thing the Pharisees did better than anybody else, and Jesus actually commended them for it. and said, good job on this. You'd probably guess. Matthew 23, 23. You should tithe, yes, but you should not leave undone more, the more important things. He commends the Pharisees for tithing. They actually do it, and he says, well, I'm glad you do that. But there's other things you need to remember as well. So he uses it in an argument, but he also uses it to commend them and say, you did one thing right, and I, you know, I can't deny that you did the one thing right. There is more that you need to do besides just that, though. And of course, they would tithe, uh, you know, and gloating about it. And they would, you know, put big money in the, in, the, in the bowls and things. And they would say, look what I've given, look what I do. Uh, but it wouldn't even be a tithe. It would just be a portion of their money. They made a lot of money. And the thing about the word tithe is it means tenth. It does mean a tenth. So anything, when this is how we designate the words tithe and offering, anything above a tenth, we call it offering because it's extra, right? God says, give me a tenth, so we do. And then beyond that, we just give more, and that's, that's an offering that we want us to say thank you and bless him with when we give to 
youth or whatever through those other envelopes. Those are offerings. Those are, those are things that we pour into the kingdom of God beyond our tithe that is our blessing to him. We should not neglect to tithe and do not get puffed up over it when we do like the Pharisees did. Tithing will advance your spiritual growth. You aren't paying for blessings. That's kind of a Catholic teaching, actually. We're not paying for blessings. But the essence of the Christian life and character is entered on giving to others. Right? It's so important. That's the core. That's the center where we are, we are giving to others. Money is one of the easiest gifts that we can actually give. For those that ask for money, remember to ask in wisdom to those you have relationship with and understand your situation specifically. So at the end of this sermon, you might think, we need to give, we need to give. Adam just preached it, so I'm gonna ask him for money because he can't say no now. Um, here's the thing. The idea is to know the situation of the people. I do freely give money to people I know very well, I respect and have friendship and relationship with, and we know their situation, right? But I don't always give it to people that ask often or have misused it in the past and all that other stuff. And you've been around people like this. You understand the difference, right? So if you are someone who needs it or wants to ask somebody for it, have the wisdom to understand who you're asking and why, right? You can see why Gene probably wouldn't have liked this sermon. <laughs> he probably would be mad at me by now. But it's the truth, and that's the most important thing we need to remember, that our relationship with people is there. So, in conclusion, I want to say this. Always remember this final principle, which is you can't outgive God. You really can't. You can't outgive God. Remember, the Bible says that whatever measure you use to give will be used to measure what, you, what is given back to you. And that's Luke 6, 38. He loves and cares for you so much. Please don't neglect to honor him with your finances. He's given us enough to be thankful for and share. And I've told you that story about Jesus with the loaves and the fish. What miraculous thing did he do? He gave thanks for what he had. That's his first action. He sees that there's not enough for everyone, and he just gives thanks. And, of course, the miracle of it multiplying comes through the hands of those that were not sure what to do, the disciples who handed it out to the multitude. So I'm not taking up an offering right now. I'm not asking you to do all of these things. And if you still feel guilty or uncomfortable with this topic, that's not what I'm here for. If you can gain anything, gain this one truth. I pray that you are truly thankful for what God has given you in your life. It's not gonna be the same as everybody else, but you do have something to be truly thankful for. And just spend time thanking him, glorifying his name for all his blessings. And like I say, some are seen and some are unseen. Right, church? So with that in mind, I do pray that you would consider and think about tithing. Some of you already do that, and I know that. But again, I don't look at all the things. I don't know who does, who doesn't. So that's why this isn't to a specific person. 
but I do encourage you to remember that it's a biblical principle where we can actually love on God and you will see a blessing in your life when you do so. And I know many of you here have told me how God has blessed you because you've done that. It's the truth. It's how it works. So next week, and I know this is very factual and everything. It doesn't feel very practical, but it is. But next week is Father's Day, and we're going to preach about and share about the dynamic in which we can give into the church to the people, the family, right? How do we give to one another to grow? And then after that, we're gonna talk about giving outward from the church. How do we give our skills, abilities into the community to grow? We've talked about these topics before, but in light of our context, you'll see the difference. So in this moment, I want you to stand and I wanna pray over everyone's financial situation. I wanna pray for your heart of a giver, and I wanna pray um, for a few other things. So let's just begin by allowing God's Holy Spirit to speak to us here in this moment. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mighty are you, King. Hallelujah. You are good, God. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for the financial situation of everybody in this room. Whether it's good, bad, or ugly, Lord God, we just need you to have your hand in it. And God, I pray that those who are struggling financially, maybe in a great amount of debt or in a situation where they're uncertain as to when they can pay certain bills, God, would you relieve the anxiety, take on that burden, and start to help them, Lord God? Maybe they're very wise with their money. They've done very little wrong at all, but they're still in this situation, and God, they just need you to bless them. Lord, you can provide. You've provided for me in ways that I couldn't even fathom. Out of nowhere, you have helped, and God, I am here because you have allowed me to be here, and I pray that you show them, these people, everyone in this room, the exact same type of blessing, the exact same type of, of caring. Lord, as you bestow this blessing upon people to help them and to guide them in their situation, I pray the anxiety falls away, that they are completely just filled with joy and strength once again, not allowing this to hinder their daily life, Lord. They just want to praise you and bless you. Lord, I pray for those that struggle with the principle of tithing, that struggle with it as an idea or, or a principle to, to even uh, practice within the church. Maybe they think it's archaic or they're uncomfortable with it and they're just not too sure what to do yet, Lord. Speak to them. You reveal the truth to them, Lord God. It doesn't have to come from my lips. I was obedient, Lord, to you to preach these words as I know it can be uncomfortable for some. But God, the rest is in your hands. Holy Spirit, change the hearts and minds to allow us all to see things your way, I pray. And Lord, for those that are seeking the promise of blessing and from honoring and tithing in you, I pray that that promise does come to flourishing as they continue to obey and sow into your kingdom with each gift. So Lord, we thank you for all of these many blessings. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay updated on all things LPA, find us on Facebook and our website at longlockpentecostal.com.